This is a book called uh, Return to the Hollow Earth. I wrote The Hollow Earth in 1990, I believe. It was a story that was said in the late 1800s, around 1860. It's about this idea I've always been intrigued by, that the planet Earth might itself be hollow, and there'd be creatures living inside of it. To make the book exciting, I had Edgar Allan Poe get involved, and he became a character. <laughs> you can never go wrong, including Eddie Poe. In Return to the Hollow Earth, I'd always wanted to go back there, because at the end of the Hollow Earth, Poe gets killed, and uh, my, my main heroes, uh, Mason and Sela, I'll show you pictures of them in a little while, they, uh, they've been turned black. They're originally like white southerners, but there's this thing inside the hollow earth, there's this very strong pink light from these creatures called Wumo, W-O-O-M-O, and they're a bit like giant sea cucumbers, and they fill the inside of the hollow earth, so it's hollow like a tennis ball. It's not hollow like a cave. I mean, it's really a lot of space in there, but it's all lit up by this gorgeous pink light. But if you spend a lot of time in the pink light, it will tan you, but really, really tan you, and you're, you're a black person at that point. And then after that adventure, they come back to Virginia, and it's a bit of a hassle. So then, uh, they, it's been fading away, though, while they were living there. But then uh, they saw an opportunity to go out to California and start a new life. So they, uh, they get on a ship called the Purple Whale, and so Eddie, excuse me, Mason and Sela, his, she's his wife now, she's pregnant, and she's from the Hollow Earth, and his dog, Arf, they're on a ship, and it's sailing around the Horn down past uh, the tip of South America, which is, I've always been interested in that area of the world. It just seems, it's always, they have the, the biggest waves. It's, it's the most horrible weather anywhere. And the ship uh, is going to sink there. And I'm going to read you a scene here. This will take about 15 minutes, maybe 20. And then we'll take a look at the paintings. And if you, you get hungry while I'm reading, there's some pastry back there, right near the bathroom there. The unfathomable mass of water broke onto the purple whale bearing us in untold tons, both fore and aft. The savage, implacable currents whirled me and my companions into the sea, and beneath the watery tumult I heard a crunch and a crack. The ship had split in two right across the middle where we'd stood. The pieces belched air, turned turtle, and dove for the abyss, trailing whirlpool currents that dragged us deep and deeper into the Stygian gloom perhaps a full 20 fathoms down. My ears spiked with pain, then adjusted to the depth. It was utterly dark, and the Antarctic cold was astonishing. I was growing stiff and numb, but even so, I hung on to my companions by touch, to Sela and Arf. We'd rise together, or not at all, but I doubted we would rise. And then, when all was lost, here came a pink streamer of divine Wumo light, it was lifting us upward. Dimly, I saw my companions. To my surprise, our enemy, Connor McCree, was in our midst, quite senseless, limp as a rag. Sela lunged at our foe, wriggled her hand inside his garments, and emerged with huzzah, her glowing rumby gem, and then excelsior, a second one. It was my rumby. That painting there, you can see some ants carrying rumby gems around. They're large ants, <laughs> needless to say.
what a find. I savor the tekalili of the dense, precious gems, a rumby sense of self. Here we are, they seem to say. Now there's another word I'm going to use here a few times, tekalili. Edgar Allan Poe wrote a novel uh, about uh, a guy, who, Arthur Gordon Pym of Virginia, who goes down to the middle of Antarctica and sees a big hole in the middle. And the last line, there's some birds that are flying around with their endless cry of tekelili, tekelili. And I use that word here, and it means something like telepathy. And either these, these wonderful rumby gems or the, the glowing of the wumo can give you tekelili. Meanwhile, of course, Arf Seal and I were on the very point of drowning and freezing to death, albeit in an agreeable state of tekelili, it's a little like being high. An agreeable state of tekalili from the Wumo light and the rumbies. But we were rising one slow fathom at a time, flailing our cold, stiffened legs against the eddies and the vortex threads of the foundered purple whale. The pink light was bearing us upward with the inert McCree. The gleaming underside of the sea surface was in view. A wildly squirming orange tentacle lashed through the water, stirring bubbles in its wake. It caught Sela by the ankle and tugged her up and out of sight. One, two, eight, ninety more tentacles appeared, urgent and intense, taking hold of me and Arf, drawing us to the roiled sea surface with Sela. The Wumo light was moving away. I drew, I drew in sobbing gasps of air. The tight grip of the orange tentacles was draining all force from my hands and feet. The coldness of the water and my recent exposure to the pink Wumo light had left my skin feeling as if it were on fire. The implacable tentacles were pulling us higher, out of the water and into the air. A menacing form bobbed above the wind-torn waves. Oh no, it was a Balula, a giant man-eating nautilus, buoyed by a shell full of hydrogen, a carnivorous denizen of the hollow earth, now lifting us toward the barn door-sized opening of its shell, a dark, smooth cave whence 90 orange tentacles emerged, plus two bollard-like eye stalks and a horribly clacking, razor-sharp beak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, by the illumination of the receding Wuma light, I could see blood upon the Balula beak, and a sailor's bitten off arm and shoulder within. It's going to eat us, I cried. She's not allowed to eat us, screamed Sela. We've got two rumbies. Rumbies have power over these beasts. She held the heavy gems high so the Balula's dead black eyes could perceive them, with each rumbie a beacon of Tekalili. Obey me, you damned shell squid, cried Sela. Take us to safety. I am your ruler. A convincing performance. I don't think I could have carried it off so well. So now, rather than devouring us, the Balula tucked the four of us into a tangle of tentacles below her huge parrot-style beak. I felt like a pork chop on a bed of yams. <laughs> He's southern, right? <laughs> With ravening jaws overhead. Arf writhed and whimpered at my side, his eyes rolling. Through the stuttering lightning we rose with the sinister Balula bearing us northwest toward the far side of the storm, propelling herself with farting bursts from her siphon tube and finding her way to a favorable wind. Nearly an hour passed. 
We four huddled together, shielded by the great shell from the rushing air, sharing our bodies sparks of warmth and wrapping the tentacles around us like mufflers. The stream of pink Wumo light had long since withdrawn itself and the weather was calm. I spotted a pair of lanterns on a three-masted schooner far below, with the ship herself visible by the light of the moon. The sea witch, I exclaimed. We caught up. Smoothly adjusting her altitude while blatting from her muscular siphon tube, the Balula swept towards the cutter like a balloonist coming to Earth. And then, just like that, the Balula's sticky tentacles uncurled and dropped Sela, Arf, and me to the sea witch's deck. We thumped down and slid along the planks. Rather than flying into the sky, the Balula sank into the sea and descended, leaving a stream of bubbles that slowly settled down. Sela and I had come to rest at the base of the star sea witch's main mast. Stimulated by the deck beneath his feet and the smell of chickens and pigs, Arf let out an exultant bark. Avast, cried a man on watch. Boarders. Moments later, later, Sela and I were in the custody of a mate with a pistol and two seamen with swords. Our ship went down, Sela cried. Have mercy. And you swam here, asked the mate, thrusting out his lower chin. Tell me another. The water would stop your heart in five minutes. He was a know-it-all Yankee. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> two albatrosses carried us, I said, uncommonly large. Nobody bothered answering that one. All right, the truth is that we're stowaways, said Sela. It helped that she was beautiful and great with child. Even so, the mate chose to argue. Then where exactly have you been hid for these last 70 days at sea? With the pigs, said I, pointing at the pan on the deck. It was a low sty with a tiny door. Flame and flapdoodle, said the mate, believing the tale. What do we do with you three and your dog? Drown you? Shove you back in with the hogs? Let us ride as passengers, I suggested. We'll pay to smooth our way. As it happened, I still had 19 silver dollars inside the band around my waist. I kept one of the dollars and offered up 18. Not an imposing sum by some lights, but it was enough to cheer the mate and his men. They did a three-way split. The hooting sailors danced a hornpipe jig, imagining jingling their coins between cupped hands. The mate smiled and shook my hands. My name's Stearns, he said. Welcome aboard the Sea Witch. I'll bunk you three in the Scribbler's cabin. Hope you don't mind. Scribbler, said I. Fancies himself a gentleman. Little fellow with a bulging brow. Very quiet in his habits. The captain enjoys him. Mr. Gorland Peel. Now, if you write that down, <laughs> you can do an anagram of it. G-O-A-R-L-E-N-D-P-E-A-L-E. -E -E. I broke into a convulsive grin. Sela didn't get the wheeze, but the shuffled letters of Gorland Peel told me what was afoot, far-fetched though it might be. I'm sure Mr. Peel will take us in, I assured Stearns. Taking pity on us now, the sailors gave us biscuits, beef, and beer, all of a much finer quality than the grub on the late lost purple whale. Even better, they gave us wool blankets to enfold our shivering frames. Bunk down before the captain gets the word, the mate told us. Here, this is Mr. Peel's cabin. Stearns waggled his chin and let, us, let out a thin cackle. The high and mighty Gorland. It'll take him down a peg to share his stateroom with three darkies and a dog. Darkies? Again? 
Staring at Sila in the lantern light, I gleaned the hard truth. The insinuating glow of the great pink Wumo light had baked us brown once more. Arf was, of course, unchanged. Always a dog. Yes, Seal and I had enjoyed ourselves well enough as blacks in Baltimore. In some ways, life <coughs> as a black was congenial to me, at least when white people weren't around. And Seela herself was in the habit of viewing dark skin pigment as a sign of high status. In the hollow earth, the dark race who lived near the center were referred to as black gods. But even so, to set out for a white, light, white life in California only to find us again relegated to a low estate, it was vexing. With a peremptory knock, Stearns flung open the door of a low cabin near the rear of the deck. With a bark of laughter, he bundled us in and slammed the door behind us. A lantern burned within, and there, pale as wax, at his ease in a soft chair, ruminating over pen and parchment, with a small pipe and a glass of claret ready to hand, was... Eddie, exclaimed Sela, you're not dead? I've been expecting you, he said. Yes, it was Eddie Poe, the Eddie who traveled through the hollow earth with me. In his soft, familiar tenor voice, he sang the altered verse of an Eastern Easter hymn. The nine sad months are quickly sped. He rises glorious from the dead. All glory to your risen Ed. Hallelujah. <laughs> but... I saw a mirror poem murder you, I protested. You're double. A nice piece of theater, that, said Eddie, trying to control his widening smile. My parents were actors. From my earliest years, I know how to feign a florid death. <laughs> but he ran his blade through and through you, I protested. He killed you. Misdirection, said Eddie. I smeared gore on my face, drummed my heels, and expired. The death of Poe. You were diddled, my dear Mason, tender heart that you are. You're a devil, Eddie. An imp, said he, a strayed lamb, a mage. He got to his feet and brought his lantern closer to me. Let's have a look at you. How the devil is it that you two are black again, hopeless bunglers? <laughs> the pink light of the great old one, said I, a beam of Wumo light plumbed into the depths to save us. And I'm going to stop there. <laughs>